Nobody knows what's going on when we watch the Olympics. We just turn on our TVs and become obsessed with sports we haven't thought about in four years. This is why we made the Ringer Guide to the Summer Games. I'm your host, Roger Sherman. Each day during the Tokyo Olympics, I'll tell you about a different sport, athlete, or storyline. We'll be releasing new episodes every day starting July 19th. Follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you know exactly how to watch the Olympics. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. What you use in your personal care routine matters, so upgrade your lineup with Dr. Squatch. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients. That'll have you looking and smelling your best, like their Wood Barrel Bourbon Bar Soap and Lotion or their Bay Rum Deodorant. They even have some limited edition soaps like their Avengers and Star Wars collections. Those seem like they'd be fun to try. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Simmons or use the code Simmons at checkout. Part three, Draft of Palooza 2021. Ryan Rosillo is here. Kevin O'Connor is here as well. We are about to get into it. First, our friends from Pearl Jam one more time. All right, guys, as we picked up, the Warriors took Jonathan Kaminga with the seventh pick in the NBA draft. I was not expecting this. I got to be honest. I thought it was going to be book night. Book night. The book night fall has now begun. Uh, Rosillo, you heard word that Kaminga was possibly the pick. This actually makes me think that they have a trade coming because it doesn't make sense to me how you're going to try to win the title next year, but also have Wiseman and Kaminga. You think this is a trade asset or do they actually like him? I do think they like him. Uh, I heard yesterday he was the pick. I didn't tell you because I didn't. I didn't trust you. Uh, <laughs> could have told yeah. me. I could have bet on it. Could have given me a tip. <laughs> Jesus, I'm totally, I'm totally messing with you. Uh, uh, but again, as I say that out loud, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're not trading it. I just the sense I got as we got closer, and we just shared this all in the green room to be repetitive uh, for those people that were nice enough to join us. Um, it felt kind of like you know what. Like, this guy's got a real chance here. And that's what he is. I mean, he's the biggest ceiling, lowest floor guy there is. And it depends on which game, which clip you watch. Uh, the high school stuff's better than the G League stuff because there's a lot of G League stuff in there that wasn't great. So it was tough to figure out. But he's 6'8", and he's 18. KOC, what's he going to look like in a Blazers uniform with Wiseman and the 14th <laughs> pick in Wiggins next year? What do you think? Uh, maybe in, in Warriors' dreams would that happen. Um, but for Kaminga here, 
in Golden State, assuming he stays and we don't see a trade. Um, I wonder how much he can contribute early on. Is there a role for him, you know, coming off the bench, shooting threes up the catch, attacking closeouts, you know, playing hard on defense? W- what is the role for Kaminga for him to be a contributing player in a playoff situation? Is that is that a realistic thing to expect from him during his rookie season? Well, listen, when you when you draft a guy with the only lottery pick you're going to have for the next five years, whose biggest issue was he had major competitiveness problems, and now you're putting him on a famous franchise with a couple of the most famous players ever, and Draymond Green, who's a maniac. Um, I have some, I have some reservations. <laughs> I'm a little worried. I don't think this was the right team for him. I am just terrified of people who have competitiveness issues. And this was the main thing with him. People would watch him. Rosillo, you watch more G League than anyone I know last year. You would watch Kaminga and you'd just be like, why doesn't this guy give a shit? There's scouts at these games. This game's being televised. Why doesn't this guy care? Now, you could have said the same thing two years ago about LaMelo and it was fine. But it still worries me. I'm sorry. Yeah, the LaMelo thing I wish you and I had, had figured out, and I, I was I was guilty because I think I was I was bringing it up, was that he didn't respect anyone in Australia. <laughs> like, he was just like, whatever. Yeah. And then as soon as he got to the NBA, it was like, okay, I actually respect my teammates a little bit more, at least based on his decision-making, all that kind of stuff. But Kaminga was in the G League, and if you watch AU stuff, AU guys that are like 6'8", that beat the hell out of everyone and score relentlessly because they're 6'8", and he wasn't really dribbling past guys, he was bodying him, but then he'd have these moments where it's like 15 foot baseline turnaround, and you're like, oh my God, like that looked great. Looked great out of his hands, clean. You know, it's it wasn't clunky at all. And he was handling the ball all the time at this size. Like that was the stuff that you got excited about. But what I couldn't understand in the G League part of it, like, you know how when you're in a pickup game and it's it's like eight six and the other team breaks out, and you think, like, okay, I'm just gonna save myself here and not get back across the court and I'll save it for the next possession. Right. He was doing this in G League games. So I never could quite understand um, the passiveness, and I would point to Jarrett Jack joining us when I asked him about Jalen Green, and then I asked him about Kaminga. His reaction was very different. His body language, his face—it just he—he he was talking about Jalen Green in a way that he wasn't talking about Kaminga, and I thought that was telling. But what do you think, KSC? No, I, I agree completely with Ryan. And listening to that pod, I, like I didn't like I didn't watch the pod, but listening to it, it was alarming how much he just heaped praise onto Jalen Green. And with Kaminga, it was a real basic answer, you know. Oh, he's you know he's six eight, he's long, definitely has potential, but it wasn't a full on endorsement. And so for Golden State here, maybe there's been growth since the G League season. Maybe this is just a you know a shot. They're trying to go for a home run here on a guy who obviously has that upside. But you know, Orlando took Franz Wagner with the eighth pick. And that was somebody that we heard a lot of, you know, noise about throughout the week that could have been the guy at seven for the Warriors. And Wagner has a game that's more built to contribute right away. And so Orlando is instead getting that guy who seems ready to come in right away, get stops on defense, shoot spot up threes, make the right play. I question if the Warriors will will regret this at some point over the course of the season when they're looking at Wagner contributing for Orlando. If Kaminga has a bunch of issues as a rookie, much like James Wiseman did last year. I personally would have taken Wagner. I think he made more sense for them, and I think he's a safer pick than Kaminga, and I think there's a chance. Based on, I've loved the NBA draft since the mid-1970s. He fits a lot of red flag profiles that just make me nervous, and maybe going to the Warriors would be the greatest thing that ever happened to him. But watching, so Franz Wagner just got picked watching on the telecast now. 
if you're Orlando, what an unbelievable turn of events. You're thinking like, oh my God, we're going to, we'll just take best two guys available. Maybe it's Barnes and Kaminga. And now you've got Jalen Suggs and Wagner. Guaranteed. Who's doing draft grades for us on the ringer this year? Is that? Uh, I got him going on the draft guide. You got him going? God, yep, look at Casey, yep. you're doing 19 things. So impressive. <laughs> this is a guaranteed A or A plus for the Orlando Magic. Yeah, Suggs I, and Wagner, I like it. Yeah, I mean, this this is outstanding for them. Two of the smartest players going to go in the lottery. Arguably the smartest players in terms of their basketball sense, their awareness, ability to make decisions on both ends of the court, guys who are reliable. That like, I mean, it's too bad for Steve Clifford that he's gone. He would have loved yeah. these rookies. These right. are the type of rookies Clifford might actually give some minutes to. There's a lot of uh, stuff going on, including Magic Johnson has tweeted about the Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, he said, with Westbrook joining LeBron and AD, the Lakers now have their version of the big three. All we need is a couple of shooters. We'd be tough to beat. And then followed that up with Russell Westbrook is the most electric player in the NBA today. And the Staples Center will be on fire next season. Three flames. Priscilla It's a three flame tweet for Magic. Three flames? Three, three that's flames. That's a lot of depth, though. That's a lot three of depth. Um, so, that's yeah, why the big three. On. Yeah, the big three thing was never going to happen. You know what I like about Franz, though, is he's... Um, Without sounding like I'm profiling here, he's a better playmaking, worse shooting Laurie Markkinen. And mm. he improved the three-point shooting, you know, 31% last year, 34 this year, which is always kind of the first thing we're thinking about with any perimeter guy. But he led the team in steals. He was second in blocks. His help defense is actually his instincts on help are terrific. And the other thing I liked about him is, you know, he's a younger player. He's He's got a lot of a lot of handle to him. You know what I mean? You're not going to have him sit there initiating the offense, but if he gets stuck with the ball, he can get himself out of trouble. He would get caught kind of in traffic. You know, he'd be at the elbow. He'd maybe be in the paint. And where everybody else is just spazzing and trying to get a foul or get the shot up before it's blocked, he could kind of stop and wait for somebody else to make a cut. He was really comfortable in tight quarters. And for a young player that has all these kind of skills, he just has a lot of different skills. And, you know, people would say, oh, maybe the draft starts for him at four, which I thought, look, four's high. Uh, he was never actually linked to any teams that high. But, I mean, this is this is kind of around his range. I also think it was why Golden State was interested, too. But there's there's a lot to him as a player. And if he turns into a better shooter and keeps improving that, then, then you may have really hit on something. I wish Golden State had taken him, but I really feel in my bones that this is some sort of trade looming. Kamika makes no sense. Zero for next year's team. All we've heard is that they want to get guys that they can win with next year. On top of it, it's a $30 million luxury tax thing for him. It just doesn't make sense to me. Okay, but let me let me ask you this. That's what everybody said on the outside. And I know that's probably what Steve Kerr would want. But if you look at Davion Mitchell, who I think we all like, and you go, okay, but with this team, are we drafting a backup point guard for the next few years? Or could we hit on something with Kaminga? Wagner, Wagner is the one. Okay. If you're right. trying to win next year, I think it's if it's between Wagner and Kaminga, and I'm keeping the pick, I'm taking Wagner. Like I think you have to factor in at least a little bit that I have Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond and Wiggins, and I'm in the West. Oh, we just KOC just said Mitchell to the Kings, apparently on Twitter. Yep, Woj and Shams both reported Mitchell to the Kings, which now you have De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy Heald hasn't been traded yet. And now you're adding Davion Mitchell, a six-foot guard, into that rotation. I'm intrigued here. Are they thinking like a three-headed monster with Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell? Or are they thinking, you know, is this a trade? Or are they thinking down the line, maybe they're flipping one of those guys for a bigger player? 
Maybe they can bring Isaiah Cannon back. <laughs> or or I, Isaiah I, Thomas. I have a couple He's looking takes. For a job. One is KOC is tweeting. He's doing draft grades and he's in this podcast green room with us. I think it's the most impressive thing I've seen from not just a ringer employee, <laughs> I think a Grantland employee. You're doing five things at once. Uh, Your generation I, is amazing. Um, uh, second, <laughs> I really like Davion Mitchell. This is a terrible pick. I don't think you should draft based on who's on your roster, but at the same time, you have to draft a little bit based on who's your roster. They already have two point guards. The fuck is Davian Mitchell going to do on this team? That makes Fit no sense matters. to me unless there's a trade. Fit matters because that's how players can develop in the best possible way. Like you don't necessarily draft because of guys that you have or make decisions because of that, but it directly affects how a player develops and what opportunities they receive. Yeah. Right. No Which kidding. Is, you know, if, you, if, if you're the third point guard on a team, you're not going to have the ball that much and you're well, not going to be doing any of the stuff you're good at. It doesn't make sense to me. He, here's the thing, though. I like this, and that's because I'm not a big De'Aaron Fox fan. And to me, I'm Ooh, thinking, I'm Fox already trade? thinking, if I'm, if I'm Monte McNair, I'm like, what can I get for De'Aaron Fox? Simmons? Because, hmm, why not? Simmons? Could this be the team? For that was actually offered. That was offered years ago. With by who? Darren Fox or Simmons. I forget who turned it down. I think Sacramento did. Yeah. I think they did. I think I would do that. I KOC, you and I are a little bit similar on Darren Fox. Really like him on paper, but don't don't really love him. And I'm not sure he's a guy who could be a top three guy on a finals team, which is in, in what if, all the decisions should be based on. He's too inefficient in the half court, too streaky as a shooter. Look, I mean, like he's downhill guy. He's exciting. He's fast. He's speedy. But I'm not sure, you know, you can become a championship team, as you said, with De'Aaron Fox. Whereas with Halliburton, I think all three of us love that guy. Who doesn't love Tyrese Halliburton? With Mitchell, if the shot translates, if he continues shooting at a high level like he did as a junior, because prior to that, he didn't. That was his first year shooting the hell out of the ball. If that translates to the early part of the season, I mean, I, I mean, look, I know Fox is good, but I'd be thinking about flipping him for something that's a better fit with Mitchell and Halliburton in that backcourt. I, I like it for Sacramento. It's an I like play. it if they're if they're if there's a trade coming. And I really like Davion Mitchell. I hate I hate the fit right now and it makes no sense to me. And I think you're putting what was that year when Phoenix had all the point guards at the same time? They're like, watch this. This is going to work. And it was just a disaster. And then they ended up trading Isaiah Thomas for 50 cents a dollar. I don't think you can have a glut of point guards. So they're going to have to figure it out. I feel like Rosillo might be higher on this than we are. No, but you guys are tra you're trading everybody. Like everybody. <laughs> every soon as the pick comes in, you guys are like, all right, what do you think? What do you think this means? Well, I they, mean, they have three point guards. How are they going to play Halliburton, Fox, and Mitchell at the same time? It's impossible. I like Mitchell. I like the Villanova game. It was always the thing when I was watching it in the moment. I remember tweeting about it being like, hey, when we're doing this draft thing months from now, let's not forget this moment where he completely took that game over. The shooting thing's a little bit of a concern because he was when he was at Auburn, 29%, then 32%, then it jumps up to 45%. So some teams are a little scared off on that as well because his free throws are in the 60s. Um, and he didn't measure very well, and he's older, you know. But as far as the fit for Sacramento, I'm not going to disagree with you guys on that one. I'm not. I'm just, I don't quite well, get can it. Can we go or, backwards? How about if it's just Halliburton Mitchell and whatever they got in a Fox trade as a Halliburton Mitchell as a backcourt? I do really like that. I just don't know how De'Aaron Fox that fits in. It, it, it kind of breaks my brain. Meanwhile, KOC also breaking my brain because he's 
doing his draft grades as he's doing this pod. I, I don't. You're you're the star of this draft. I thought Woj was the star of this draft. It's KOC. I don't know uh, how you're doing it. <laughs> uh, some of some of the grades were were with Matt Dollinger doing great work. Um, okay. like tentative, tentative don't, grades based don't off. Don't let us range. behind the curtain, KOC. But, but, let but, us. But, but I am on Slack while we're recording this. I hope that's okay. <laughs> that's great. Um, hey, I but, think Derek, but, uh, I think look, Fox gets traded. I really do. I don't think he stays though. Do you think the Warriors would do Kaminga next year's first for Wagner? Wait, what? <laughs> I see what you did there. That was the classic Rosillo. A, trying to figure out if we were all paying attention and B, just, just trying to be a little bit of a dick. Um, yeah, fair, fair. fair. Uh, no, but can I say something positive, though, about Mitchell and the guard problem that we, that, that I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you on any of that. All right. Yeah. But I spent a lot of time watching Butler again the last day or two. And it wasn't just how much fun Butler was or how fun Mitchell. It was how fun those two guys were together. The unselfishness with all the perimeter guys, specifically those two, and even the other KT, they are so complimentary as guards. And I, there was one play where, where Butler, Butler had Timmy and Gonzaga in the championship game. He had him in a switch, and that's something they were looking to do. And he goes back to Davion, and Davion's like, nah, man, you still got fucking Timmy on you. Like, go back to work. And then Butler just takes Timmy off the dribble and then passed to somebody else, and it led to a bucket. And I'm just telling you, like, it was really, really cool digging into all of those games and catching back up on Baylor and seeing how they... Now, I'm not telling you this is a perfect plan, but I'm telling you he at least goes into the situation understanding how to play with other guards that are really good, which is not the case for a lot of guys that play the position that can put up buckets. I like Halliburton and Mitchell as a start. Did they bring back Rashawn Holmes? We'll see. We just had another pick. Zaire Williams. Oh, there you went, go. Number 10 to Memphis, who traded up from 17 to 10, took on the Bledsoe Adams contracts, got rid of our guy Jonas. KOC, couldn't they have just gotten him at 17 or am I crazy? I mean, it's very possible they could have. I, I don't love this pick for the Grizzlies. And this is the first pick that Me they made during their you know new era with, with Zach Kleiman that I haven't liked. I liked everything they've done up until this one. Zaire Williams, there's a positionally he works with Ja Morant. He works with Jaron's actions junior because he's six eight. He's a silky smooth ball handler, has the ability to create his own shot. But man, like this dude is so raw. He's incredibly raw, and he's one of those guys where if he doesn't improve his jump shot, you have concerns about how valuable he can really be. Even though he, you know, he's aware and plays, you know, fairly hard on defense. He still needs to improve fundamentally, still needs to get stronger. So for Memphis, I, I think this is another indication, just like with the Pelicans trade, that they are probably taking a slight step back and focusing on development mm. rather than trying to be like the Kings and just pushing for a playoff spot. I think for Memphis, this is at least an indication of that because Williams isn't necessarily ready to contribute yet. It could work out great down the line, but I don't love the pick right now when they, I think they could have gotten him at 17. Who do we think they should have taken here? I, do, I think I actually made the case for him either the last two podcasts ago about how he had this bad season during this COVID season. And he was a guy who was like the fifth best prospect heading into college. And then everybody was kind of off him. Now it's back on. I thought like 17, 19 range seemed a little low for him, but 10 seems too high. Who should they have taken Rosillo? 
Well, Book Night's still there, and I know that it doesn't seem to make any sense because you already have Dylan Brooks. Already, and by the way, we're like starting to get to the point where some of these teams where there's going to be a pick where there's already somebody playing, if not multiple guys. But I think Book Night's shot creation, handle, drive, fight, all that stuff. I know he didn't shoot it as well. He shot it better last year. You'd love to see it go in with Book Night more. We'll get to it because I have to imagine he's going to go here soon. Um, but I, Zyre just didn't do it for me, man. Like, he didn't. Um, there's people that swear by him in high school. Uh, they will point to the fact he went through a lot Stanford this year, but just on the floor, he's not awful. It's just that the start would look good. Like whatever his decision was, you'd be like, oh, here we go. And then it always ended bad. It, it, it was it was the weirdest thing. Like, And then he fell in love with step backs. And then it started to feel a little AAU-ish. And some of these kids that score like crazy at the AAU level. I always use Perry Jones as the example. Remember him? He was like the number one guy, went to Baylor, ended up the bend of the first round, Oklahoma City, out of the league immediately. Some of these guys are so big that they don't actually develop other stuff to their game. And I think Zaire has the foundation of something possibly being there. I'm just saying if you focus on the Stanford part of it, it wasn't. They must have gone through all the high school stuff and talked to everybody and felt like, hey, what we saw at Stanford isn't who this kid is. And that's fine, but it wasn't great there. I like KOC's point about Memphis maybe resetting a little bit because you're in the West. You're not winning the title there anyway. So why not, you know, try to get a full year of Jaron Jackson, play some of the young guys they picked, all that stuff. I don't love the pick. What's interesting is Book Knight, who now has fallen too far, but the next team up is Charlotte. And the last thing Charlotte needs is like a scoring guard who's like a scoring combo guard. They have a whole team of scoring combo guards. And I don't really see them taking him either. So he might fall to San Antonio at 12, who I would assume would scoop him up. What do you think, KFC? It's possible, though, Charlotte, San Antonio, and Indiana, all three of them have been teams that, you know, OKC, New York, Atlanta have tried to trade up with. So not saying we'll see a deal here, but it's at least a possibility because Book Knight is somebody that... So I somebody moving it, up to 11 it, for Book Knight. Including OKC, because if they were really thinking about him at six... Why wouldn't you try to package 16 and 18 to move up and get him at 11 if you actually do indeed want him and he was not a smokescreen? Well, maybe the Spurs should move up. It would seem like he's somebody that could help them too. This is, I always say this, this is the greatest thing that could happen to Book Knight, right? He thought he was going five, six, or seven. We're now at pick 11. He might not even go there. This is chip on the shoulder uh, potential. I, uh, I think he's fallen too far. So I, I think you're right. I think your instincts are right, KFC. I think somebody somebody zooms up here. I wonder if the Knicks, Ooh, I know they've been throwing around the 19 and 21 all over the place, but I wonder if Book Night's somebody they would try to just move up and get. You'd have to throw in something else beside 19 and 21 because they tried to get to 14, 15 with 19, 21, and that wasn't enough. Yeah, and it didn't work. And then what if, I just thought of what if he... Golden State at 14 is another one. Could he fall all the way down to there? I assume That's, the Spurs wouldn't take him. I mean, yeah. the Spurs would take him. I mean, I, yeah, but I don't, you know, the Spurs, we still got Sengun on there. We still got Kispert there. Um, you know, Keon Johnson is now one of the best available on the ESPN thing, but he's he's been falling now for a couple of weeks. I mean, he was getting penciled in at like six at the best part of the process for him. I think Moses w- Woj is Woj is hinting that Charlotte's taking Book Night. Wow! Wow! So, so Book Night Lamelo. So apparently Lamelo Book Night Rogier, and I guess you let Devontae Graham go at this point, and Monk. Hmm. How do you let Monk go? 
Who's any restricted? <laughs> like he could get signed. I mean, he's. <laughs> you're right. I mean, maybe this well, is my chance to have him come to the Celtics. What, what's your original pronunciation of Monk, Phil? Monk? <laughs> monk. I called him Monk for three yeah. years. I still might call him Monk a little <laughs> bit later. I, I, I'm a fan of it. <laughs> Bill's playing I mean, hurt here, and he's doing yeah. an unbelievable yeah. job, by the way. The point guard skills are on full display. The instincts are just taking Well, over, speaking so. of point guards, how about LaMelo and Book Knight as a backcourt? I'm th- this is delightful. What a great. What a great combo. Rogier, uh, you're coming off the bench. Hey, Sorry. Give, give me, KFC, give me the 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 good and the bad from GMs on book night. And then maybe I'll give you some. So but with book gonna, night, I yeah. mean, on court, it's like you alluded to earlier, Ryan, the jump shot. Shot 30% from three. And, you know, people have been fooled, you know, bamboozled by good draft workouts in the past. We've seen guys shoot the lights out and then it falls apart over the course of the regular season. So, with Book Knight, Stauskas. I, I mean, from what I understand, he shot the ball really, really well. And in the clips we've seen that were tweeted out and everything, it looks smooth. And there's reason to believe that it could be better. He has good touch near the, near the paint. You know, he has shoots over 80% from the line, but he shot only 30% from three. And he was very streaky from mid-range as well. So that that's really the main negative that I hear about him. I mean, people talk about his defense. He had an injury in high school, um, but I don't think people question too much other than the jump shot and you know maybe some of the playmaking can he adapt there but you're drafting him to be a scorer anyway that's what you want him to be so the balance could work with Lamella. why are you hearing more about more concerns about him ryan i i like his parents i just want to point that out i thought they looked like a, a good people noted <laughs> i uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get something productive out of the 15 uh, minutes when everybody's parents came on the stage. I, uh, I I like the parent deal out there, man. That was great. We got brothers and sisters all over the place. Yeah. Um, there it is. Book night to Charlotte. An, an old school New York point guard. Here's what I mean, here's what New I would, York guard. Like say that UConn team was not good. All right. They were not good. And they went four and four without him. He had an elbow injury. So that means that a not very good team went 11 and 4 with him in the lineup and if you could see the 30% number where it was 35% on two and a half threes his freshman year a lot of it was him you know getting shut off and then coming back and curling through everybody and then getting another handoff and it's like hey there's 7 seconds left on the shot clock like get us out of this shit and so i think that impacts the number i really do and I have not seen a ball handler. It was this was very rare because I was like, wait, is this real? You know how like anybody who's right or left-handed, you can be really balanced, but there's always a preference you're going to want to get back to. His yeah. left hand when he went left hand was absolutely crazy. Like he didn't have to go back to his right. He was totally comfortable, full drive in traffic against beating defenders, not two dribbles, and I get back to my right. He was always totally cool going left. And I think some of it has to do with shot selection and shots he was forced into because that was not a very good UConn team. He seemed bummed out. I don't know whether he was overwhelmed with emotion call. or yeah. um, he was just surprised that he fell to ele- uh, 11 and bummed out that he ended up on a team with seven guards. I'm leaning toward the, I'm leaning toward the Sh- bummed out. Should he be, though? Playing with LaMelo... Doesn't this seem like a good balance on paper? Because now, you know, any passing playmaking concerns about book night are alleviated when that's LaMelo's primary responsibility. This is one of my favorite things, KOC, when the the guy who's kind of built like the point guard, but he's not an actual point guard, is teamed with the tall, 
guy who is the point guard and you can kind of have this weird Jedi mind trick thing where it makes sense defensively? Well, uh, nothing uh, with LaMelo uh, makes sense defensively yet. So, too true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's easier to hide LaMelo now on defense. Definitely. Um, I mean, like, there's, there's still lingering concerns about the fit, but on paper in three, four years, what these guys could be together, mm. I mean, going to be even more fun to watch. Terry Rogier's like, settle down, everybody. This is still my team. <laughs> it's like when John Lucas and Derek Rose went out, and it's like, I fucking got this. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? At first half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about. 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all-new Cantina Chicken Menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high-quality ingredients like seasoned slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, Shredded purple cabbage and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. San Antonio's up. Is there, has anybody fallen or is now where, even though the order was kind of fucked up, now we're kind of where we, where we thought we would be? Because Sangoon is still there. Duarte is lingering. Uh, Kispert, we're in Kispert range. Moses Moody, I guess, would be the one that people bit. thought had a chance to be top 11. He's fallen a tad. I, I think Moses would go here, would be my guess. What do you guys think? Shengun's a real possibility here. I've heard mm. the Spurs connected to him at certain points throughout the pre-draft process, but like with San Antonio, who freaking knows? They always surprise you on draft night, but Shengun, top player remaining on my big board. I'd love him in San Antonio. His playmaking, what he could bring there. I think they could turn him into something pretty special in that Spursian system. Doesn't work for Team USA, um, but still in San Antonio, I'd love to see Shengun plugged in there. Pops like Pops like I had an incredible bottle of Syrah from Turkey a couple years ago. That's my contribution to this draft. Pops Pop might have completely checked out. I'm actually concerned. I'm concerned about Team USA. I'm just concerned in general. Anyway, what were you going to say, Russell? I just wonder if we're doing a little Spurs thing where we're like big Turkish guy, Sengun, put in the card. Uh, that's this might be the least inspiring roster asset wise in the NBA. The San yeah, we it did, really we did like, this. What we remember we did the uh, we we did what was that twos. draft? We did the top you, twos, and we you had were taking picks. you were taking three and four from other teams before you took San Antonio's. Yes, I I absolutely was. So top, this is top an important for pick. Sure. They're near the bottom for top two. No, they're, for like, they are they bottom. Were the they, they, yeah. they're, they're, they're bottom. They, they have a bunch of guys for like the three, four, five, six slots. Definitely they, six. They need their one. <laughs> yeah, definitely six. Yeah. They have done it. They have a ton of great sixth options. <laughs> but that's, um, that's what's so remarkable about them, like even being in the mix a little bit the last couple of years and you go. And this is, by the way, we were doing this without DeMar DeRozan being on the team. Like we were like, okay, he's, he's not. Well, we know he's um, leaving. Yeah. All right, so the next couple picks, we have San Antonio, Indiana, who everybody seems to think that picks for 
Sailor for trade. Um, yep. Golden State 14. And then uh, the Wizards at 15. And that's when we're going to end part three of the podcast because we got to see who the Wizards All are. All right, Bill. Take. If I ask you this, though, like, and you start going through, like, Spurs, forget need at this point. Like, Duarte, who you can love, and anybody that watched him loved him. Can't take him here. But you, it doesn't make any sense here where it makes no. sense for the teams behind them a little bit. Same thing with Trey Murphy, Virginia, as we start to get in the mid-teens is where he's going to probably be going. Um, but that's what's so funny about the San Antonio thing. It's like you might as well just close your eyes and oh, as hard as you can. Oh, Rosillo, you're going to have a stroke. Garuba? It's it's uh, Shams and Woj saying it's Josh Primo at number 12. Oh, my God. Wow, that is <laughs> a shocker. A wow, that's they got a terrible the, pick. I mean, that they first got them truly th- awful pick of the draft. A, a, another three or four. There's a trend here for San Antonio, not a number one or two necessarily. With Primo, um, I violently oppose this pick. Yeah, uh, Rosello, I mean, do I know you already did it on your podcast? But do your do your 35 second Josh Primo material. I'll give him this. He will not step on a court and think there's anyone better than him. He has Deion Waiters' attitude on steroids. He just can't score like Deion Waiters. Um, he he measured out 6'5", six, 6'9", six, plus wingspan, freshman, um, and he shot at 38% from threes. And he has like one moment every game where he's like, I can't believe his body control and that kind of thing. However, if you talk to people, I talked to an SEC coach that was like, What's wrong with you guys doing these mock drafts? I was like, well, I'm not in charge of all the mock drafts. I'm actually getting a text from this coach right now. Uh, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> but this coach, this coach was like, he's not a top 10 player in the SEC. Or excuse me. He goes, he's not a top 20 player in the SEC. Mm. So, so he probably didn't like this pick. Uh, the text I got did confirm that you would be accurate. <laughs> what are the, the, so the Warriors, who is left on the board now for the Warriors? Duarte, so, Kispert, and and Sengun. Yeah, we got Sengun, Cam Thomas, Trey Murphy, Moses, Moody, Garuba, Garuba, Kispert, Kai Jones, Duarte. Wee's camp is still available. Listen, I, I'm happy for all guys drafted in the first round. Kudos to Josh Primo, but this is a pick that I think they will probably regret. Uh, look, I'm telling you, for years, anytime they took a guy, like I didn't like Lonnie Walker, right? And then they took him, and I go, I guess I'm wrong. It's the Spurs. Yeah, it, at some point like, it ends. But there's something to be asked of San Antonio and be like, are they actually just terrible at this now? now oh, wait I, a second. I want, hold on. I didn't realize he averaged 8.1 points a game last year. My bad. I'm back in on this pick. Oh, yeah. He's eight the a stats. game. He, eight he a, a game P- in the SEC. I didn't realize. He had a PER of 13. In college. So Indiana, this is this is a great spot for them though. Cause Kispert would be the hilarious pick and the most Indiana pick possible. Sangoon, I think, probably is the upside pick. Oh, you have Duarte to Indy KSC? Yeah, Woj tweeted out. We got Chris Duarte to Indiana Indiana with the thirteenth pick. I wonder if that's a pick for uh nineteen and twenty one to the Knicks. It could be. Yeah, we'll we'll see. In I'm the, fun. Let's flag. Let's play yeah, our flag we'll, on we'll, that one. We'll see there. But like, it's it's amazing that with back to back picks, you have Josh Primo, 18 years old, averages eight points as a freshman, super raw player. Where like the only NBA skill that you know for sure he has is his shooting ability. 
Yeah. Like he needs to develop as a ball handler, needs to develop as a defender, even though he plays hard. Like there's an ability there for him, but he's raw. And then the yeah. next pick, you have a guy who's six years older and Chris Duarte, total opposite end of the spectrum, ready to come in and play right away. It's just dramatically different, you know, types of prospects here all in the same draft. Because with Duarte, if it, whether Indiana keeps him or not, like, like this is a guy 24 years old. There's not a lot of upside with him like there is with Primo. But there's a lot of certainty that he can come in and contribute and help your team right away. So I'm I curious wish he would, to see if they keep him. Yeah, I wish he was on the Celtics. I, th- I just think he's absolutely a rotation player right away. That's a great point. When Indiana plays San Antonio, you think Duarte will have a little extra for Primo? Like, put that Primo guy in who got picked one pick before me. Primo's not even going to be him. in the game. Um, so Indiana now, let's say they... Yeah, that's true. It'll be an exhibition game. Brogdon... Duarte, uh, Aaron Holiday still on that team. TJ Warren still on that team. Sabonis, Miles Turner. Who else am I missing? And that was a team we all thought underachieved last year. Because TJ McDermott? McConnell's out. Oh, and McDermott. Uh, Mc- but McDermott, they can re-sign. Right. Uh, I thought that team underachieved and had a terrible coach, so maybe they fixed that. Carlisle's in there. But, well, they were uh, hurt, too. I mean, And they, they had injuries. Yeah, COVID season, the whole thing. So... I don't know. Like that pick. Duarte. That was another guy who went under. In the in the gambling unders, Duarte was another one. There was a lot of action under. They had to move it a couple times and it still ended up going under. Book Knight was the one that everybody he moved from like 10 to six and a half and it still went over. Um all right. So now we have the Warriors. Is this Kispert range? What do you we're think? in Kispert range for sure. Uh, we're right there at Kispert range for them. I or mean, Moses Moody? I mean, Moses Moody, Trey Murphy. I wonder if they would even consider a Cam Thomas or a Shengun here. Um, lot, two projects. A lot of different ways they could go. A lot of two different projects. Ways. I think I'm going to have a harder time buying into. Um, but I, I still think we, we need to always remind ourselves that like sometimes you just do your board, you rank the players, and you're like, this guy's the best prospect, and we think of this of the ceiling, and we're not going to freak out about it, and we're still going to be pretty good if we have our backcourt back and with Draymond and another year of Wiseman. So if we think you know Garuba or we think Sengun projects to be the best player, we're just going to go ahead and do it. However, you know I, I did think seven would impact 14 a little bit, so maybe it's Trey Murphy. You know, Are you sold on Kispert, KOC? Um, sold in what way as like a rotation player or sold in as like a guy who's closing for you in a playoff situation? What's the most likely role for him? I think he can be a rotation player. I'm Towel not, waiver? Uh, I, no, I think he can be better than that. I think Fist that, pumper? I, he can be better than that, Bill, because Kispert, the shooting ability, it's ju- not just that. Like he can drive a little bit for you. He can pass off the bounce, you know, within the flow of the offense. And he plays really freaking hard on defense. Is he a guy that's like in their last two minutes, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals? That that's a question I have. That's a question. But I do think he can be a contributing player over the course of the regular season and at worst come off your bench. I like him as a rotation guy. And I think it mattered that he was consistent at Gonzaga. You know, and that team had a pretty big spotlight on them as the undefeated thing kept going. And he was just 20 points a game and he made what, like 44% of his threes. And the Baylor game was the Baylor game was alarming because athletically it just didn't seem like he could hang. But, you know, he might have gotten nervous, Um, just might not have been his day. Who knows? 
He had a bad tournament. I mean, no, it wasn't just one game, man. I Mm. I looked at some of his splits, and when they were beating the piss out of everybody in those lesser, lesser league games, you could see, like, you can actually look at some of the splits and see it declining a little bit. I think when you see him at his best, curling off a screen and catching it, not even like, I mean, sometimes like curls for a two, catch one motion up six, seven, six, eight, his vert, it's awesome. But I think the fact that he's lasted this long, I think there's some concern about, you know, it's the what, Baylor what, game that was alarming. Well, would Moses Moody makes sense here? I think for what you, for what hey, they need you, and the kind of guy that um, you you disagree? No, I'm just talking. You want to talk about bad tournament? I mean, Moody Moody looked lost, but then he has the excuse of you know this being his first year. Yeah, he's um, 19 years old, right? Yeah, he's in Kispert 22. The gears. Um, before we know about the pick, you know, we're talking about wings for the Golden State Warriors. They, you know, with their top pick, they go with one with Kaminga. Is there any reason for them to look at somebody like Cam Thomas? Add a, you know, scoring off the bench, some depth, some shot creation behind Steph. Is there any reason for a guy like that at this pick? Because that's that's what's on my mind. Like, which way do they go? More wings and defense, three and D, or a shot creator? Or how about this? If Kamingo was a pick for a trade and this next pick is a pick for a trade, who is the trade asset that would make the most sense in this spot? Well, according to Woj, it's Moses Moody. Mm. So they went two projects. Sengun would have been the most fun Warriors pick, just throwing him all the weird shit he does in that Warriors Mm. team. They never could have done it. Yeah, Moody... If you're doing a trade package and it's Kaminka, Moody, James Wiseman, and Wiggins, plus like another first rounder and a pick swap, you could probably get, I don't know, is there a better offer for Bradley Beal? Who's topping that unless Simmons is involved? Yeah, unless it's like it's a young all-star caliber player, a Ben Simmons, a Jalen Brown type. Golden State definitely, and because it's the West's, if Washington cares about sending him to the other conference, that's an that's a reason for them as well. Mm. I mean, they're they're definitely stockpiling some talented young players. Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga. If they want to throw in as many picks in the future as they wanted to, I mean, they they definitely are, seem like they could be gearing up for that. And these guys, Moody and Kaminga, you know, maybe they, they go out there and get you some minutes throughout the course of the season, unless that guy becomes available. With Ryan, you mentioned Moody's struggles. Uh, during the tournament, um, you and I don't seem to be as high on him as like NBA draft Twitter is. Um, no, because he's shoot. Look, he's six six. He's long as hell. He shot at the uh, what thirty eight percent. He made his free throws. Um, he even grabbed you a few boards. He's not going to pass. And he has, you know, some of those, like you know, hard dribble to the elbow between the legs, step back. You're like, what the hell was that? Like this kid's a freshman. Like he'll have some NBA level type offensive finishing moves uh, off the jump. And you're like, okay, this is this is really exciting. But then when you go through the NCAA tournament games, Baylor 2 of 10, 0 for 4 on 3. Uh, he had 11 points. Against Oral Roberts, he went 4 of 20, 0 of 3 from 3. He ended up getting a bunch of free throws. So the free throw thing might make you feel better about it. Um, I just thought he played a little soft. I just thought he did. And if you're saying, you know, it's the same thing we said before. When you're raw, you, when you make mistakes and you're young, you're raw. Uh, when you look soft and you're young, it means that you're you're just young and you're a little overwhelmed by the entire thing. I didn't love it, though. I mean, Singoon doesn't make any sense for them because now you're drafting another center you're worried about playing defensively in games you're yeah. trying to win. So that wasn't going to make any sense. Murphy is a little bit more polished. Uh, it depends if you think he can do anything other than just 
shoot. And with Moody, you probably feel like there's a little bit more there to him. But this this is kind of playing out a little because Moody was, man, he was like at seven. He was six, seven, eight, and in that kind of range. And I was like, you know, I just think there's other guys you like ahead of him. But back to the Beal point, none of this means anything. Like they could have just do the Wizards go, holy shit, they got Kaminga and Moody. So now we're <laughs> in because Beal still has to demand that it happens before we can even talk about this stuff. Yeah, I wonder how this stuff works with if you've kind of wink, wink, agreed on parameters, are you getting inputted off from the team you might trade to? And who knows? It's, I'll tell you this, Kaminga and Moses Moody are not going to help the Warriors win the title next year, which was one of the premises for this draft. If you were thinking about, all right, can they get two guys who can play for them next year? The answer seems to be no. I don't think either of these guys can play. The idea that, right, the, the idea that Kaminga would be on the floor to close out important games the end of next season for playoff seating purposes. That seems very no unlikely. And Mo, same thing for Moses Moody. He's going to be 19 years old in the corner in game four of the Western semifinals. Like, I, I don't see it. Honestly, that one makes more sense as unlikely than Kaminga. <laughs> right. Because at least you can hide him in the corner. With, with uh, Moody, right. there's definitely a higher chance than with Kaminga. What would be the funniest? This will be the last pick for part three of the pod. What would be the funniest Wizards pick here? To trade what up for the Primo? <laughs> I guess I guess we're never topping the Spurs ticket. No, we're just not. I think what happened it might to be the Mer Spurs? <laughs> what, what happened to that team? It'd be like Belichick not being able to get a wide receiver for a bunch of years. Oh, my God. Uh, Too soon. I, I think it could be, you think it could be Murphy? For the Wiz? Well, they don't need another wing, though. Don't they need some sort of point guard? How? Who is the highest realistic Sharif point Cooper, guard? Sharif Cooper, maybe. It depends. Look, the, all those SEC guys are 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 dealer's choice on that one. Sharif Cooper does his one thing better than everybody else, and he does the other thing worse than everybody else. Um, Jaden Springer is probably just steadier. Cam Thomas, I mean, he just he's just not that interested in playing with other people. I mean, his range oh, we is have incredible. The pick. All right, Kispert. Oh yeah, he's still there. Interesting. Makes some sense. Makes some sense. I mean, so how uh, many wings are we up to for the Wizards now? Kuzma, KCP, Avdija, Rui. Um, who's the other guy they got in the trade? As my dog drinks water next to me, Montrez. No, they got another wing in the KCP, K Kuzma. KCP, Kuzma. Yeah, yeah, man. They right. set them all. I think. Yeah, I mean, Kispert got a shooter for Bradley Beal. If I mean, Woj tweeted it earlier tonight that they make they're making this deal. Involving Russell Westbrook trying to build around Bradley Beal. Oh, they have Bertans too. That was the guy we missed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Ish Smith, yeah. though. Ish Smith not likely to return. Re That's <laughs> really tough. Rough news. Oh, uh, I just got a text from a GM. Yeah. He's, do you think Yellowstone season four will hold up? I think, yeah. I think they had a lot of time to think about what he said. I could, he said I could use that. Um. Okay. Uh, Woj said Washington wants more shooting around Bradley Beal. And Corey Kispert, the top draft board at number 15. Well, they spent $80 million on Bertans last summer. That seemed like that would have qualified for more shooting. We will see what happens. This is the end of part three. This is going to be the end of uh, Green Room. And uh, we're going to come back with a part four winners and losers after the first round. But just before we go, biggest surprise oh, for you primo. guys? Yeah. Primo, primo, no yeah. doubt about it. 
For me, it's Kaminga. I I know Rosillo had inside info, but I was still surprised by that one. And by I the way, said, Bill, I assumed I, it was going to be book night. I do trust you. I, I don't like the face <laughs> that I when I said that. I was trying to. No, that hurt and, my feelings. Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't think I won't remember it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I saw it on your face, and I regret part three. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been nice to get a tip. Uh, all right. <laughs> part four coming after the draft. We're going to tape it uh, and put it up, but you can hear the part one, part two, part three. Thanks to everybody in Green Room. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to KOC. Thanks to Rosillo. This podcast was produced by the one, the only Kyle Creighton. And uh, we'll be back with part four in a little bit. I want to see them on a way so